Uhuru. Uhuru and welcome to the Reparations in Action podcast and FM radio show broadcast live every Tuesday at 12 p.m. on Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida, and now available as a podcast. You can follow us on Podbean at uhurusolidarity.podbean.com. Reparations in Action is the weekly program of white people who stand in solidarity with the African liberation. My name is Jamie Simpson, and I am a member of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, the organization of white people working under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party, organizing in the white community to build the movement for reparations to African people. And joining me today are my co-hosts, the chairwoman of the African People's Solidarity Committee, Penny Hess. Uhuru and welcome, Penny. Uhuru, Jamie. Great to be here. Great to have you on. And also rejoining us is my other co-host, the chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, Jesse Neville. Uhuru, Jesse. Uhuru, Comrade Jamie, and Uhuru, Chairwoman Penny Hess. Great to be here as well. Uhuru. Uhuru, we really appreciate you both joining us today. And we want to begin, as always, by saluting the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party, Chairman Omalia Shatela, founder and leader of the theory of African internationalism, the African Socialist International, and uh, we really appreciate his leadership, as well as Deputy Chair Ona Zene Yeshitela of the African People's Socialist Party, the on-the-ground leader of the economic work of the African People's Socialist Party. We want to salute our leadership in the African People's Solidarity Committee, the Black Power 96 uh, FM, this radio station, which allows us to have this hour every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time, as well as the African People's Education and Defense Fund the nonprofit that guides this work, whose mission is to address the grave disparities in economic development, human rights, uh, health and health care and education faced by the African community. And we wanted to uh, address the fact that we are white people speaking to you here on a Black Power radio station, Black Power 96. And the reason for that is that we are here to speak to any and all white people who may be tuning in to Black Power 96 to let you know that there is a place for you in the African liberation movement and the struggle for freedom of the black working class, you have a role if you can unite with reparations and standing in solidarity under the leadership of the African community. That is what we do. So um, we're going to be discussing the very pressing colonial contradiction of COVID-19 today, uh, which is why we are broadcasting to you from our homes instead of in the studio today. We're going to be summing this up from the perspective of African internationalism and we're going to hear a clip from Chairman Omalia Shetela from a live stream that he did earlier today, updating the movement on the People's War strategy. So let's play this clip now. Attacks on our people and our community. The reason there's so much alarm about it uh, internationally is because uh, it is something that uh, is not just attacking African people. It's not like Ebola. It's not like mudslides in Sierra Leone. It's not like earthquakes that killed 300,000 uh, African people uh, in Haiti. Uh, it is uh, 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 now characterized as a pandemic because it does also involve uh, uh, killing and attacking, frightening and terrorizing people uh, of a colonizer nation as well. And so uh, we uh, are involved in taking this uh, crisis uh, on in a very serious way, but we also recognize that it is more than just a health issue. It is a political question. It is a political question uh, when uh, you see a situation where, as I mentioned earlier, 
uh, you don't have this kind of response. We had a response uh, to like uh, uh, something like 300,000 people dying in one fell swoop in Haiti. Uh, and you had institutions like the Red Cross and the Clinton uh, uh, Foundation who got perhaps a billion dollars from that. Uh, and nobody talks about that. And I think it built maybe three houses uh, with that billion dollars and the Clintons uh, 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 have possession of that resources and not Africa. Uh, we have a situation where we live under colonial domination. That means when disease and other things attack us, uh, that we are extraordinarily vulnerable and do not have possession of our own resources. Uh, when I say our own resources, I'm recognizing the fact that uh, Africa is the richest continent on the planet Earth, and that African people, uh, many of us kidnapped from Africa and forcibly dispersed around the world, create incredible amount of value, wealth, etc., for a social system born of slavery and colonialism and leaving us in a state of destitution and powerlessness. So we're not talking about just a medical issue. Uh, we are talking about a political issue that allows medical crises to impact us in a way that they don't uh, impact of people from the colonizer nation itself. And this is the kind of, this commission recognizes this. It's the commission of the African People's Socialist Party, which was organized precisely for the purpose of, 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 of undermining, of attacking, of, of destroying this relationship that African people have with colonialism. It is a commission that we have created now that recognizes that the only way out of this ultimately is that we create a process and protocols that not only create and contribute to the health of African people, protect uh, the health of African people, but in the process of doing that, negate the influence and the power of imperialism and the white power over our lives. So this is what we are doing, and this is uh, the commission that we've created. And I'm mentioning this because we are a global organization, which is really important because we face global crises all the time, even when it's not called uh, COVID-19. Uh, the fact is that the African Revolution, the struggle for our freedom that's been going on for 600 years, ran into its limitations a long time ago. Uh, as long as we were fighting for our freedom, fighting to end our, our misery and our oppression within the confines of the colonial borders that were created for us. Those borders have to go. We go beyond those borders, and that's why we have regional committees that we've established. Uh. So that was the amazing Chairman Omalia Shetela, founder and leader of the Uhuru Movement, Chairman of the African Socialist International and African People's Socialist Party. Let's get right into summing up uh, the incredibly uh, rich and dense things that he was laying out there. Um, let's get started with the discussion about this uh, so-called COVID-19 crisis. So as Chairman Omalia Shetela was saying, we know that the crisis for African and colonized people was already there, built into the system. Um, so let's talk about how exactly this crisis exposes that fact that there are two Americas in this country, one that exists at the expense of the other. So let's let's open that up with uh, Chairwoman Penny Hess. Uhuru, Uhuru Jamie, Uhuru again Jesse, and again I want to salute everybody who's watching this today. Um, it's always very much of an honor to be able to broadcast on Block Power ninety six point three FM the dual power radio station of the African People's Education and Defense Fund and Black Star Industries located in the Uhuru House, the incredible Uhuru House. 
at, uh, in St. Petersburg, Florida, the headquarters of the African People's Socialist Party. And of course, I want to salute Chairman Awali Ishitela, Deputy Chair Ona Zanay Ishitela, Dr. Aisha Fields, and all the leadership of the party leading as a people's government the, this, this movement for the liberation of African and African people inside of the context of this brutal conditions faced by the African community during the coronavirus epidemic. And um, I just really want to unite with what the chairman has just laid out. I know that the party is carrying out and leading a powerful campaign called the People's War Campaign, which is their way of dealing not just with the coronavirus conditions and what people should do, but to deepen the crisis of imperialism and to just, as the chairman laid out, that this is not just a medical question, this is a political question. This is a political question because as the chairman is saying, there are two experiences in the world. And when there is such a thing as a quote, natural disaster or whatever this phenomenon of the worldwide coronavirus is, um, there's one experience for the white people, the colonizer population, and quite another experience for colonized people. And so that's why we saw, as, you know, as the chairman mentions, in Haiti in 2010, we saw an earthquake in which 300,000 African people were killed and millions left homeless to live on the streets, some of whom still do. And, you know, we see everywhere there is a situation that affects white people uh, uh, somewhat. It, it comes down very brutally on the African community. And just to say that, you know, for example, in New Orleans, FEMA was installed there and African people were under martial law completely. And they, they always are because that is colonialism. And, uh, you know, the, the people were gunned down and also the United Nations forces were um, sent to Haiti to occupy it following um, the earthquake of, I think it was of 2010. And, uh, you know, and, and were there and raped women, killed people. I mean, you know, this is a colonial occupation that African people, but African people are still resisting in Haiti and had the first anti-colonial workers successful revolution defeating France. That was the leader of, of colonialism in that period in 1804, winning power in the hands of African people in Haiti. And that was incredible. That's something else that we should have a whole show on in the future. But I do want to just say a couple of things. And first of all, that the coronavirus um, cases are advancing quite rapidly. I mean, it just seems like, you know, a couple of weeks ago it was 250 cases and then it was 1,000. Now it's 33,000 cases in the United States with 480 deaths. New York, City and New York area is now the epicenter with more than 15,000 cases. And in the world, there are at the moment 350,000 cases with 15,000 deaths worldwide. And again, it's 
rapidly evolving. And I just want to, there's so much, of course, to say about the current situation. I'm over in St. Louis, and as of tonight at 6 o'clock, St. Louis goes under basically the, quote, shelter at home or um, forced shut-in, you know, that not to leave the house except for um, maybe going to the grocery store or that kind of thing. But, you know, this uh, has started. And for the African community of the city, which is the majority of the city, um, it's incredible poverty. It's, it's incredible conditions of which testing is not available. Healthcare is not available. Food is not available. There are no grocery stores on the north side of St. Louis. So um, I, wanted, I just wanted to say, just in terms of people's health, I read an article in the New York Times this morning online that said that one of the, not exactly a symptom, but a sort of clue to you having the coronavirus is the loss, the sudden loss of smell and taste. So if you can't smell anything and you can't, and your food tastes totally bland, even though there's four jalapeno peppers in it, um, you know that you may have it to such an extent that the article said that many doctors are recommending that if you have that symptom that you would be immediately tested for the coronavirus, um, whether you have any other symptoms or not. Well, of course, that's not going to happen because they're not doing that, but in any case. But I wanted to talk about the two Americas and the fact that um, as the chairman has said, I wanted to read something that he talked to us about the other day, last night in a meeting um, of the African People's Solidarity Committee. I took notes on what he said and it was very powerful. And it's something that he's also mentioned in his Sunday study, O'Malley taught me. And he's saying that, you know, this crisis is making itself manifest in a serious way. Um, but he's saying that the crisis is, has always been with African people. And he's saying just the coronavirus is just a particular manifestation and that the lives of African people every day are that of the colonized. No clean water in Africa, women raped in the Congo, um, 10,000, 10 or a million, actually I need my, to get my statistic uh, correct, but I think it's, I forgot that, I'm sorry, I forgot the number, but in the millions of African people killed by US-backed proxy forces in Congo to maintain US and imperialist control over the coltan, over the oil, over the diamonds, and all the vast resources of Congo. Women have been raped and killed, but this isn't a problem for the whole world. This is just normal, as the chairman says. And he's raising that, just supposed to social distance, but yet as Tafari, Chairman Tafari, who is the chair of the African People's Socialist Party in Occupy Tanzania, said, how can you social distance when you're living with eight people in a room, basically in a tiny hovel where African people live in the so-called townships of occupied Azania known as South Africa. That, that is not possible. And that 
you know, that we have to expose this nature of this, that African people have nothing to eat, our people are starving on a usual basis. And that what is, as the chairman is saying, what is different about this is that white people are facing this, this crisis. It's like the question of fascism. White people are worried about fascism, worried about Trump, but fascism is simply white people experiencing some of the aspects or conditions of colonialism that African people experience every day of their lives. You know, it's not a problem for everyone that you go to a courtroom and everybody in it is a young African who's gonna be shipped off to prison and that US has the highest prison population in the entire world uh, with the longest sentences for African people with three strikes and you're out um, for things that white people don't even get arrested for. This is the reality that African people face inside this country in every single day, every day under colonialism. And this is, this is the, you know, just the manifestation of colonialism to the African community in so many ways, this is just another day. And so we want to raise that because, you know, I'm looking in, um, I'm looking in, in Wall Street Journal, I read these, these papers, you know, and, and New York Times, I read them online, and they've had articles, article after article, like what to cook during the coronavirus while you're in the house, how to use tuna in the best way. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal, how to get a salon quality hairdo while you're locked down. And it, I clicked on the article, who was curious, and it, it, was, it showed three hair tools for white women, including an electric, I don't know what you can call it, like an electric hairbrush that lets you style your hair that costs $500. And you know they have apps for your children to play with. They talk about what to do with your dog during this crisis. You know, this, this is not, what African people are experiencing it, they are starving. They have no access to food. They have, they can't work at home because they don't have jobs, first of all. And if they do have a job, it's highly unlikely that it would be the kind of job that you could work at home. It's, it's a service job or a factory working job. Um, it's working for the city. It's not, you know, you can't collect garbage virtually you know these these are the things that um the jobs that african people are forced into as african workers in this country in the city and around the world so you know i just um you know i want to call on on people who are listening to go to developmentforafrica.org for one thing and get the protocols that the people's war commission has put out and you know, I want to call on people to, to really look at blackpowerblueprint.org, um, look at all the different ways in the Uhuru movement that you can be part of something. So, you know, there's many different things. Jesse will be talking about the Uhuru Solidarity Movement Convention that is coming up soon. Um, we will I, get I just, more, yeah. I just want to mention one other thing that was 
very chilling, and we know that's going to be another colonial decision, that it was, there was an article also in the New York Times a couple of days ago saying that in Washington State, which at that time still was ground zero, still had the highest um, caseload and um, death rate in the country, um, that they were preparing for what they called a bleak triage strategy that where doctors and white medical workers would determine who gets health care, who gets the ventilator, and who doesn't, and who they're going to let die. Well, we know who they're going to let die. This is going to come down very, very seriously on the African community. And I just want to call on white people to say that, you know, we're going to talk about how we have to fight this government under the leadership of the African working class, under the leadership of the People's War, and that we are not taking something for ourselves at the expense of African people, that this system, this government, and this ruling class must pay reparations to African people. Uhuru. Really appreciate that, Chairwoman Penny. Um, I, th I think it's just outrageous uh, to s sit by and, and watch this as though it's a, another natural disaster that's just going to play itself out while they're openly telling us to expect massive deaths. And they're openly uh, telling us, the, the government is, the state, that they will allow masses of people to die untreated from this. We're hearing the, the mayor of New York begging the federal government for resources as we see that they don't have gowns, they don't have masks, they don't have ventilators, all the basic implements needed to save lives. And it's not being stated. It's being stated as a general humanitarian crisis in the news. But we know if after watching Katrina, after watching the earthquake in Haiti, time and time again, after watching what happened in Puerto Rico with the, uh, yes. the hurricane, yes. time yes. and time again, when African and indigenous colonized people face these so-called natural catastrophes, it becomes a colonial catastrophe. Yes. And we wind up seeing masses of African people lying in horrific conditions, dying in the news in droves. And it's no longer enough just to spit on the floor or yell at the TV. I fully unite with your call to the listeners to take action over this now more than ever. Uh -huh. Comrade Jesse, did you want to chime in on this? I would love to chime in on that. Um, I really, really agree. I really appreciate this discussion and and what Chairman Amali Shatella said really resonates. That that was extremely powerful and and everything that that Penny just said that Chairwoman Penny has just laid out. Um, I just think we there's there's a lot to be said about the two realities inside this country and the the clear canyon of difference between uh, what white people are going through right now, generally speaking, and what African people and Mexican people and colonized people in this country and around the world are experiencing. And that quote from Malcolm X that's been uh, going around lately in the movement that um, when white people catch a, co catch a cold, Africans get pneumonia uh, is so apropos right now. Yes. It's happening. And I just really appreciate the chairman's, you know, summation pointing out that the only thing that distinguishes this crisis from Ebola, from sickle cell anemia, from just everyday life for, the most, for most people on the planet Earth is that white people are beginning to experience it. And it's like the, it is, it is like the, the bio, biological version of fascism. 
Like, oh, mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. getting a taste of what yes. the rest of the world has been experiencing for hundreds of years for our benefit. So now it's his mass hysteria. And I think we just really, you know, white people that are, that are listening to this, like we want to give you permission to be angry about what's happening right now. Because I know that, you know, everything that you might read is going to tell you to like, you know, take care of yourself and, uh, you know, try to be at peace and blah, blah, blah. But we have to be very, very angry about what's happening. And we don't have any hard evidence yet to prove that the U.S. government created COVID-19. But we do know for, we, we can say for a fact that it's U.S. imperialism's fault. We can say that for a fact, that what's, you can blame U.S. imperialism for what's happening right now. And you don't need hard evidence to see that. You, don't, you, you can see all the factors point to the United States government being the culprit behind this crisis. And that even if we were to assume that it was some kind of naturally occurring thing, which I don't believe, but even if we were to assume that, that can be weaponized by U.S. imperialism against colonized African and, and indigenous people. Yes. And, you know, that, that I just think it's so true. Like, I've seen things, Penny, you're talking about salon-style haircuts and what to watch on Netflix. I mean, one thing, white people are using Zoom, this platform that we're using, to have wine parties. Yes. Doing a popular thing. Hang Virtual out. happy hour. Virtual happy hour because yes. bars are closed or yeah. going to the movie virtually. You can watch shows, you can watch, you know, whatever the latest thing is um, with your friends on Zoom. And I've even seen articles, don't work too hard during mm-hmm. um, when you're on quarantine. You don't have to be productive while you're on quarantine. And basically like take, you know, relax and everything. And I just think we have to say that for white people like, this is not a time to go on vacation. This is a time to join the revolution. Yes. You should be angry. Mm-hmm. You should be angry about what's happening to African people. And frankly, if your grandmother dies from COVID-19, you should blame the United States government for that. Mm-hmm. You should absolutely blame the United States government. And this is, this is a reason to join. This is a reason to get involved and join the struggle for reparations to African people and in solidarity yes. with the African revolution. So we also want to talk about, let's look at some statistics real quick. So, um, cause some in the, in the bourgeois media have been forced to give some lip service to the disparities between what white people are going through right now and what African people are going to go through. Uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that about 29% of the workforce is able to work from home. Okay. So that does not include African people by and large. 90% of higher wage workers compared, uh, received paid sick leave compared to lower income workers. 31% of workers with salaries in the bottom 10% were allowed paid sick leave. Among the working poor, quote unquote, as they put it, black workers will witness an even greater impact. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, African and uh, what they call Hispanic, but indigenous people, uh, workers are more than twice as likely to receive poverty level wages compared to white workers. Uh-huh. 80% of African workers own wages below the poverty line compared to 4% of the white workforce. African women workers suffer the most with 10% classified as the quote working poor compared to 3.5% of white men. There was also an article 
talking about how there's a group of doctors in Virginia calling for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in the World Health Organization to release information about whether the African communities are being left behind as the shortage of coronavirus tests continues in the United States. They're concerned that black communities and other quote underserved groups might be disproportionately missing out on getting tested for COVID-19 in the absence of data breaking down who's been tested so far by race and ethnicity. And uh, they said that a total of 66,371 people across the US have been tested. And the, the data on the site said that there were 15,000 confirmed case nationally. So that's old data at this point, very old. Um, but I mean, clearly, the I mean, the, uh, they actually asked Trump during a press conference, is it just rich people who are going to get easy access to these to the uh, COVID tests? And he basically said, well, that's the story of life, isn't it? That was his response, mm -hmm. word for word. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Trump is just honest about mm -hmm. the way this system works. That's what makes him a little bit different. So and then they also we also look at the conditions inside the prisons, uh, the colonial dungeons in which African people and indigenous people are caged in this country. And, you know, social distancing loses meaning when you're talking about that raw, open uh, example of colonial containment that takes place inside the prison system. And um, I saw one person saying that basically what's happening right now is every prisoner is on death row. Yeah. Every person who's in prison is now on death row um, because of one, being under colonial lockdown, and then two, being right. forced into a situation where uh, COVID-19 is going to be able to spread more rapidly. So both the prison system and the virus become weapons in the arsenal of colonialism to commit genocide against African people, not to mention the indigenous people, the Mexican people, and other indigenous people who are uh, yes. kept in these concentration camps, so-called uh, ICE detention centers, where you know, there have been a lot of cases of COVID-19, including from ICE, uh, you know, uh, employees that have been spreading in those, in those situations. So um, it's, it's two realities. And um, again, we, you know, our response to this has to be one of, of outrage and then action. We have to do something. We have to get involved. And we, we can't be in a retreat right now on any level. So, um, yeah, so I just want to turn it back over to Comrade Jamie. I really appreciate that, uh, Jesse. I really agree with that stance. Really appreciate Chairman Amalia Chatella's leadership in uh, all of these meetings that he's called, uh, that the party has called, and the, the morale-lifting nature of that, to know that we have genuine leadership from the African working class that is not going to allow this to shut down the revolutionary institutions, while it's clear that from the U.S. ruling class, the motivating factor here is for, for the U.S. to maintain its profits, profits for the white ruling class. They're, they're moving to protect the interests of the white ruling class exclusively, not the people, certainly not African people, not even the majority of people in general, if such a thing can exist. Uh, the stimulus package, which promises $4 trillion, is for the rich. Chairwoman Penny, let's talk about the, the ruling elite this sector of people that we sometimes call the moneyed sector in this country, and why the movement to demand reparations is necessary and relevant at this moment in history more than ever. Uhuru, Uhuru, Jamie and Jesse. Yeah, I mean, as people have probably seen or possibly that 
of the Wall Street Dow Jones uh, index and the S&P 500 have been tanking and gone down by thousands of points. And, uh, you know, first of all, I, I want to say that, that and, and, to, and by the way, and today there was uh, another input of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars into the markets, they call it. And there was an article in the Wall Street Journal that said Fed unveils major expansion of market intervention. So they put, early this morning, the Federal Reserve Bank put in, I think, five to seven hundred billion dollars. And every it's still going down. The stock market's still going down. It's gone down 800 points today. It's down to 18,419. I think when this started, it was I believe about 27,000. So it's gone down quite a big chunk. And the, um, and then last week or a week or so ago, uh, Trump put in $1.5 trillion into the stock market. It still went down. But the point is that that is money that goes into the pockets of the bankers and the ruling class, Wall Street and everything else. And uh, that it is so clear that the goal, the, the priority of the U.S. government is, is the economy, is money, is profit, is maintaining the status quo of incredibly wealthy white people living at the expense of everybody else, not the people, not right. the people. They're putting, they've already, you know, it's going to be a total at least of four trillion dollars. Now, this this package, by the way, that they're trying to get through, just was voted down again this morning by Democrats in the Senate because it's a Trump, it's a Republican bill, and you know this is the the bill that's supposedly going to give some people maybe $1,200, you know, we don't know. We don't know what they would do and it hasn't passed yet. So we don't, we don't know. Um, but, you know, again, the Wall Street bankers are getting this free ride that is the people's money, the people's money, taxes, and all of the wealth that is stolen from African people inside this country alone through stolen labor that created the massive infusion of wealth in that, that created capitalism, that built the capitalist system that is a parasitic system that couldn't exist except for the stolen labor resources, human beings, and land, uh, and uh, brilliance of African people, indigenous people, and oppressed and colonized peoples around the world. It would not exist. There would be no Wall Street without that. And so this belongs to African people. In, in the first tribunal that was held in Brooklyn, New York in 1982, held by the African People's Socialist Party, um, the, the party put the U.S. government on trial using law, international law of the United Nations for uh, human rights and also the Convention on Genocide and use that 
to indict the U.S. government and also uh, prepared an incredible historical brief of calculations of all the wealth that would be owed to African people inside the U.S. for stolen labor alone during the time of enslavement. And believe me, that's only one little part of what is owed to African people, the stolen labor, the stolen resources. And it was calculated to be $4.1 trillion. So this stimulus package is owed to the African community for stolen labor alone. But it is going to the wealthy. It's going to the ruling class. And this is the money sector. These are the bankers, the parasitic bankers, the pharmaceutical companies, the uh, software companies that are, are built on stolen coltan who are backing this genocidal murder of Africans in Congo and other places around the world. All of these people have so much wealth that it's more wealth than individually than most countries have yeah. in the world. Um, that, you know, that is not their money. It belongs to African people. And from the African People's Solidarity Committee, the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, we're taking on a campaign against the money sector, against the bourgeoisie, against um, these parasitic, vicious, Oh, just worms that suck the blood of the people on the planet Earth that are, have that because the people on the continent of Africa, because African people inside the borders of the United States have nothing, have nothing whatsoever. And it, we are demanding from APSC, from USM, that this sector, and we're going to target particular, particular criminals um, and put out their faces, wage a campaign against them, they must pay reparations specifically to the, um, to the, to the independent um, dual power institutions of the African, African People's Education and Defense Fund and Black Star Industries that are under the wing of the African People's Socialist Party and Uhuru Movement. They must pay reparations and the party's institutions that, such as Uhuru Furniture Store in Philadelphia and Oakland, California, such as Uhuru Foods and Pies, everything has been shut down at the moment. And all the African workers and other people who have worked sometimes for 20 years and more in these institutions are now not able. They're, they're laid off now. So... You know, they're saying relief. Where's the relief? And there's somebody supposed to get a little thousand dollars and live out who knows how long this lockdown's going to go on. And, right. then, and, you know, Cuomo came out and said it's going to be nine months, by the way. Mm -hmm. He's saying it could be nine months. I've heard other people say it could be 18 months. I don't mm -hmm. know. You know, we will see um, by what they do. And the chairman made a point also that, you know, they're taking away the rights of the people and they don't easily give those back. Mm -hmm. So this is the revolution. This is the mm -hmm. people's war led by the African working class. And we join into that by going to the throat, the, um, you know, just the artery of the, of the ruling class and demanding 
that they pay reparations specifically into these institutions and that we as white people unite together to say that reparations are owed to African people, that, that our leadership is the people's war because that is what is fighting imperialism. I, I tell you, nothing else out there even talks about imperialism in a serious organizing way except for the vanguard party of the African working class, the African People's Socialist Party, and the African Socialist International all around the world. If we want to live in a world in which all people have health care, in which your rent, you know, the rent in Cuba, by the way, and for, for many, many years was $4 a month um, for the houses that people lived in. Um, you know, if we want to live in a world where profit um, is not king, you know, where um, it's a society based on the, the, the care and the leadership of the working people, the nurturing of, of life, you know, the, 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 just the incredible stand that a liberated Africa and African working class is going to bring to the whole world. We see Cuba out there sending doctors. They're not, they don't have doctors who are trying to make, you know, $500,000 a year. They have doctors who have backpacks on their, on their backs ready to go in and have gone to Italy and Spain and all around the world to Venezuela and to other places to serve the people and to be the barefoot doctors of today. The party is building such a capacity, it's called the Black Ankh, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I, you know, I just wanna say that we demand reparations. That is the anti-imperialist stand. We must be angry at what this government is doing. It's taking every cent, and if you can't pay your rent, you can't pay your mortgage, you can't feed your family, then you know, we have to recognize that we sit on a pedestal in which the majority of the people on the planet can never do that. And that if we want to change that, if we want to overturn imperialism, we have to be under the leadership of the African working class and its current campaign called the People's War for political and economic power in the hands of the African working class. Uhuru. Thank you, Penny Hess. I really appreciate that clarity and uh, and the, the leadership that, that you, the messages that you're carrying back from the African People's Socialist Party. It becomes so clear that we can't sit back and wait on either the White House or the Pentagon or Wall Street to uh, save us from this. Just just because we're white, right? This and is they're never going to do that. They're not. We can, they're, you know, they they have their little wealthy plans. And I also really appreciate you're making a distinction between the parasitic economy that we see on Wall Street, the parasitic economy that has driven this society for uh, 600 years now. Um, while you were talking, I was thinking about how important it is to isolate that because you know, Chairman Amalia Shetela talks about how the political and economic are one. And a lot of what we talk about the, the need for reparations for is for economic development in the hands of the African working class. And that's a completely different form of economic development and economic life that as you uh, suggested, Chairwoman Penny, is based on the love and respect and celebration of life, of yes. living human beings, yes. of the African working class, of working people yes. internationally. 
And this, now more than ever, is a time for us to cast our lot with that vision, cast our lot with the African working class and the oppressed peoples of the world. Because if we continue to sit in this little bubble and believe that doing our hairs correctly or having online drinking parties and this is just going to blow over, we are sorely mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uhuru, Jesse, do you have anything to contribute to this? Uhuru, I, I just, I'm, I'm really excited to carry out this campaign. And as Chairwoman Penny said, you know, go to the jugular vein of parasitic capitalism right now. And, you know, the, the window of opportunity is there. And they are so naked mm-hmm. and exposed in all of their grotesquerie uh, before the eyes of the world and the eyes of the people. And we have to take advantage of this and, and demand reparations and win it and force it. We have to force the question of reparations uh, to, you know, the dual power, the anti-colonial economy of African workers that represents the real way out of this crisis. And as we've talked about before, if we lived in a world under which the African working class was the ruling class and there was power in the hands of, of you know, the, the then formerly colonized and exploited peoples of the world, then there wouldn't be a global COVID-19 pandemic uh, you know, resulting in there not being enough masks in hospitals and not enough hospital beds and not enough, uh, you know, ventilators and, and, you know, the colonial government choosing who lives and who dies based on their quote unquote social value, value determined by the colonial ruling class and, and the, you know, white power system um, built on, you know, the oppression and dehumanization of African life. So, you know, this, this wouldn't be happening right now, and uh, we would be living in a completely different situation uh, on, in this world. And I think you can kind of see an example of that. The last thing that we want to talk about for a minute um, before we close out, and we have about 11 minute, minutes left, is, you know, I know we, I think we talked about this a little bit last week, but just this whole, this whole culture of uh, bourgeois individualism that we've seen within... Uh, the white society that we talked about a little bit earlier and how I think this campaign to go after the money sector really gives us an opportunity to break out of that, to break out of our own white individual, uh, narrow, self-centered kind of opportunist concern and to really join in a collective struggle of the human family to end oppression and exploitation. That's what this campaign against the money sector, uh, you know, the people's war and you know, we've talked about China, which, you know, the Trump administration is referring to this thing as the Chinese virus and really, really slandering China. And I have actually personally talked to white people that have, uh, have said negative things about China to me about how China has dealt with the COVID-19 crisis and said, well, that's not going to happen in the United States because we are a free country, uh, quote unquote. We are a quote unquote democracy. And they're, you know, they're talking about the fact that the Chinese government took some, some serious measures to, uh, to stop the spread, to stop the outbreak. And it, it appears that they have been able to uh, limit or at least mitigate um, the, the viral spread of COVID-19 there. And what we saw there was a glimpse of people's war, that the Chinese people and the Chinese government came together. It wasn't the government telling the people what to do. It was... That's not the kind of relationship that existed there. It was 
you know, based on even uh, as the chairman was, has talked about, even what Chairman Mao Zedong uh, used to create the communist uh, revolution in China, that people's war, the people came together to do what had to be done to protect their own interest and to defend themselves against this virus. And you see that versus what's happening in Italy, Spain, France, Germany, the United States, all of these so-called Western democracies. Um, and it's really clear. So people's war against COVID-19 under the leadership of the African working class on a global scale, that's the only solution to this. It's not going to stop. I don't even have, honestly, I don't even really have any confidence in the ability of the U.S. government to stop COVID-19. I really don't. I think the African revolution is the only thing that's going to stop it. I have no faith in the U.S. government or the imperialist governments of the world. I, I believe in the ability of the, of the African revolution to bring this thing to a screeching halt in the context of taking power over the resources of African people, taking back power and control over their own lives and self-determination. That's the only thing that is going to cure the planet Earth, not only of this virus, but of all other, uh, you know, by yeah. the original pandemic that yeah. swept the globe and left millions of, of bodies in its wake, which is parasitic capitalism and imperialist white power. I, I really appreciate that, Jesse, and I, I, I unite with you. I don't think there's anything else that it would be sane to have faith in, given the news. Yeah. Certainly not U.S. imperialism with respect to the, the, the COVID-19, the coronavirus. From my perspective, it, it looks like they don't want to do anything. Certainly not for the African working class, for the, for the average person. They don't even seem to be taking uh, the steps, the, the, the rudimentary steps, that would be that, that you would take if you were sincere about being concerned for your population. So the the the, the whole question of, of this almost suicidal commitment to profits is yes. is really one that has to be answered with the call for reparations, yes. especially from the money sector at this yes. point. So um really, really appreciate everyone who's tuned in, really appreciate you, Jesse Neville, chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement and Chairwoman Penny Hess of the African yeah. People's Solidarity Committee uh, for being on this, this program today. I think it's so important that uh, for a radio station that's not just explaining the world, but changing the world, that we don't just accept the status quo, that we see how outrageous it is and take action under the leadership of the African working class. Um, so along the lines of, of announcements, um, is there anything that you want to make sure our audience knows, Jesse or Chairwoman Penny? for the upcoming weeks. Um, yeah, I could, I could go first on that one. Um, yeah, I, the, the main thing I wanna let people know about right up front is the Uhuru Solidarity Movement National Convention Reparations Uprising, which you can register for at uhurusolidarity.org slash register. Um, and that is going to be held on a Zoom uh, online conference based on what's happening right now. And it's, it's going to really focus on everything that Chairwoman Penny Hess just said. That's what the, the heart of, of this yeah. conference, it's not a talk fest. It's actually all about action. It's all about taking action right now uh, to raise this demand for reparations from the money sector of parasitic capitalism to African people in the, th the throes of this COVID-19 crisis, which again is just more of the same 
crisis imposed on African and oppressed peoples under this social system. So we, we really want to urge people to register for that, to attend. We want to have a massive turnout. Um, Chairman Amalia Shatella is going to be our keynote speaker. We're very honored and excited about that. Uh, Chairwoman Penny Hess will also be a keynote speaker. And we have an amazing lineup. Uh, in addition to the chairman and Chairwoman Penny Hess, we have uh, Deputy Chair Onazanea Shatella, the president of the International People's Democratic Uhuru Movement, Columbia and Annette, the director of Agitprop for the, for the party, um, Akile Anai, uh, Tcharu Masimba of the, of the party and the Black Power Blueprint, and, and many others. It's going to be a phenomenal and incredible. Um, and we are going to also talk about Project Black Onk, AppDep, and how you can support those things as white people. So the USM convention, April 18th and 19th, is really, really important. The most important thing that a white person could plan to be a part of in the upcoming month. Uh, the Reparations Uprising USM Convention, April 18th and 19th. Uhuru. Uhuru. Fantastic. And uh, perhaps you, Jesse, or Chairwoman Penny, could tell our listeners how they can get connected to Project Black, Black Onk and the People's War Against Coronavirus. Uhuru. They can go to the website Development for Africa. That's developmentforafrica.org. And there is information right on the home page about the coronavirus, and um, you can get in touch through that. And this would be, you know, white people and uh, medical workers are called on to join this under the leadership of the Black Ankh, led by African doctors and medical workers and the African, the All African People's Development and Empowerment Project, APDEP led by Dr. Aisha Fields, who is a leading member of the African People's Socialist Party, Uhuru. Uhuru, so that's developmentforafrica.org. Yes. If you want more information about Project Black Onk and the affiliated organizations. Um, Jesse, could you give us some accurate information about the reparations study group? I know it was a fantastic study last Thursday. Uh, yes, this is accurate. Um, mm -hmm. Chairwoman Penny Hess will be our guest um, on the Reparations Group. Right. We're excited about that. Excellent. Uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursday night on Facebook.com slash Uhuru Solidarity or YouTube.com slash Uhuru Solidarity. And we're going to be discussing, among other things, uh, the party's regional strategy and why that is so important, especially right now, um, but always, mm -hmm. uh, to forward the African Revolution. Appreciate that. Um, I, I very much agree. Now more than ever, it's important to be hooked into the leadership and, and see ourselves as, as part of this, not just spectators. Um, and we also want to remind everyone along those lines that this is the still the reparations recruitment uh, month, if I'm not mistaken, yes. is what it's become for the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, because we recognize the urgency of being in unity with the African working class and the demand for reparations from the moneyed sector and from all white people. So if that's something that you unite with and you see your future tied up with a liberated humanity, a liberated Africa and African working class rather than the dead and dying forces of U.S. imperialism, you can go to uhurusolidarity.org slash join and become a member or become a sustaining member today if you want to support the economic self-determination programs of the African working class, the Uhuru movement, uh, and Black Power Blueprint, the African People's Education Defense Fund, and so many more critical organizations. That's uhurusolidarity.org slash join. 
We also want to remind listeners that you can tune in to Omali Taught Me Critical Studies every Sunday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's both on Facebook and on YouTube. Uh, like, subscribe, and tune in every Sunday to Omali Taught Me uh, Web Show Studies with Chairman Omali Ashatella. And we want to also remind you next week, you can tune back into Reparations in Action at 12 noon here on Black Power 96.3 WBPUFM in St. Petersburg. And any, any final words before we close out from Jesse or Chairwoman Penny? Uhuru, just really want to thank both of you for such a great show. Thank again, Black Power 96.3 FM there in St. Pete. And just end by saying unity through reparations. Reparations. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in.